right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the alternate current radio network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 338 of this weekly Omnibus News and Analysis radio program. We're going out live on ACR right now. Again, I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We've got a powerful show again lined up for you this week. Politics, full stop, is getting weird. Nothing embodies the weirdness of politics in the age of corona than the Democratic National Convention that we've just been subject to. Some of us did watch it in uh, in spurts, I think. You know, I just sort of tempered my co- consumption of that event through some video clips that were kindly cut up and put online. And I watched a little bit of the live stream. I couldn't, to be honest, I couldn't take that much of it. It's not so much that I, you know, dislike uh, the Democratic Party, um, although you could say that I, 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 I am growing more distant uh, from that political side of the paradigm. And a lot of it has to do with this kind of it's it's like a status-driven culture. I think we saw a lot of this uh, with Hillary Clinton in 2016. It relied so much on celebrities and big-name uh, Hollywood types and, you know, Silicon Valley moguls and in, endorsements and and kind of also political dinosaurs. It, it's, it's as if it's an interesting phenomenon. And this the, the, the Democrats really rely on this as a crutch. Is to and we said this last week. We said watch them wheel out all of the old luminaries of the party because Biden, Joe Biden, who's accepted the nomination this week, he he himself has no gusto. You know, he's got no oomph, nothing left really in the tank there. So they need to bring out all the old luminaries in order to endorse him and say how great Joe is. He's a great guy. Don't worry. He's going to be okay. He's still compass mentis. We, we, you know, we're, he's a good character. He's got a great 50-year career as a career politician, as if, as if that's what Americans want. I mean, good Lord, who won the last presidential election? It was somebody with no political experience at all. And who do the Democrats follow up with Hillary Clinton? That Like the Strom Thurmond of our generation, you know, Joe Biden, who's, you know, sliding into cognitive decline, uh, you know, it's just a wink and a, and a nod away from you know, a nursing home, a wheelchair, a blanket and a TV remote control. I mean, that's who they followed up Hillary Clinton with. And so the luminaries they did trot out, they brought them all out and then they brought out, they just, there's some bizarre things that happened. The, the weirdest thing I have ever seen and I can't unwatch it. It was just so traumatic from a psychological point of view to know that mainstream politics has descended to such a low level. Was it live music performance uh, during the, I think it was after the, the end of the first night of the Democratic Convention, they brought somebody, I think his last name was Porter. He was a, a African-American singer black singer, and then Stephen Stills on guitar uh, doing the Buffalo Springfield uh, 60s iconic hit, you know, For What It's Worth is the name of the song. Stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going. Everyone knows the tune, right? Anyway, they 
they brought this guy on to do this cover and it was it was against a green screen because they're calling this a convention but it's not it's a zoom meeting basically with pre-recorded video messages from the obamas and you know, all the party luminaries and all these endorsements of of joe and uh, on the on the last night they had some fireworks out and they have you can see the photos of of joe and joe biden and Kamala Harris and her first man husband, so vice presidential husband, all wearing masks and kind of like looking up at the sky in their masks and, you know, dancing on this little stage that they erected. So it's not really a convention. It was a Zoom meeting with this kind of fireworks outdoor display for like a handful of people at the end. It was weird. The whole thing is weird. It's not a convention. My, my opinion is this is not democracy. But anyway, they did this musical performance against a green screen. It was like, you know, one of these, it was like a 19, it was like, uh, it wasn't even 80s. It was six, it was the kind of music videos you saw in the 70s. It was pre-MTV. It was against a green screen. It was him singing, it was this guy in a Dracula, black guy in a Dracula uniform doing this thing. And then Stephen Stills drifting in on the kind of, the video edit, sliding him in, playing guitar. And, you know, Stephen Stills, is he's 70-something, I'd imagine. I mean, he's about Mick Jagger's age. And, um, and he's playing his guitar, and this is, like, this is supposed to be cool. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But the, the Democrats are just so desperate to uh, pull in all of this, and anything that just seems to have status capital. I, that's the best way I can describe it. And then they think if they can stack up enough status capital through celebrities, uh, through musicians, entertainers, former politicians, uh, the, they even brought Bill Clinton out. I mean, is that not, that's kind of an own goal. He's the sort of guy you'd want to keep tucked away for this sort of thing because of the whole Epstein uh, shenanigans. But they did it anyway, and just Bill, Bill's brand is just, it's not good. So uh, I think they might have wheeled out Hillary. I, I, I missed that part. But uh, And then the young blood come out, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and what she do? She endorses Bernie Sanders as president. She nominates Bernie Sanders, and she said it was symbolic. But there's, there's, they don't even have any party unity, really, uh, on the Democratic side. So everyone's kind of jockeying for their own sort of little power base. As we said many times on the show, and it just gets more true by the month. We said this years ago. We said politics is the new Hollywood. Politics is the new Hollywood. Coin We coined that on, on the Sunday Wire. And it's becoming more true. And the social media profiles... Uh, these these politicians get more screen time. They're they're getting more media impressions than any of these Hollywood celebrities. And with the cinemas closed because of COVID, and and TV uh, series is not in production. Everything you're seeing now was made before the pandemic, so-called pandemic. So I have to qualify that. And there's no real movies coming out there. I looked at my local cinema. They're rerunning old films. Some of them are good. But there's nothing new coming. It's cartoons and nothing, nothing interesting, nothing new. So, so you're stuck with this aging celebrity class. So it's just it's all about grandfathering 
you know, the, the status from all these old luminaries, whether it's old Hollywood luminaries, old rock and roll luminaries, old political luminaries who never retire. So what they're doing, the, the Hollywood luminaries are pushing down any, uh, less and less opportunity for any new blood. And television on mainstream media, you've got dinosaurs running anchor positions on all the major networks. They never retire. They'll be there for life. And, and then in politics, it's the same. Joe Biden is the epitome of this legacy culture. Is they don't have anybody within the whole party of a country the size of the United States. One of their major parties, they got nothing new to throw up there for the American people. So they, they literally picked the, the oldest guy available, the oldest two guys, it was Sanders and Biden. You know, I mean, they're just completely worn out. And they're like, yeah, they'll do. It just doesn't make any sense. You've got this demographic, the voters, votership is young and, you know, diverse and, and they, they can't seem to, to bring anything to the surface. So it, it really goes to show that this party, much like the Republican Party, but more so the Democratic Party, represents uh, an oligarchy. The, the political party represents an oligarchy and it's, they, they talk about diversity and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. It's about the interests of a, a, a neoliberal oligarchy that is currently on, on that side of the, of the two-party cartel is, is dominated by Silicon Valley tech uh, companies and tech culture. And so that's what it was. It was the most bizarre thing. And then so they, they had really nothing to, to cheer about, but, but Michelle Obama appeared. And again, it's not a convention. She recorded uh, a speech that she was sitting in her living room, I guess. And apparently she, she recorded it like in July. I don't know how they could keep it up to date. But the whole conference was really about that is just bashing Trump. I couldn't hardly find anything in terms of, of policy. So they've had four years to get their act together and come up with some policies and ideas, and there's nothing. The only, the only specifics I saw from Biden was that uh, we're gonna have, everyone's going to have to wear masks if I'm president. He, he's very specific on that. And what else? Uh, mass testing, mandatory testing. So masks and testing. That's Joe Biden's platform for 2020. That's it. Masks and testing. Um, every, everything else was Joe's a good guy and Trump's bad. That's it. That's the Democratic convention in a nutshell. And so Michelle Obama was getting rave reviews. Or, oh, my gosh, she was just wonderful. I mean, CNN, the panels are gushing. Let's um, roll this. Here, here, we have a little clip here. This is the former first lady, Michelle Obama. Uh, we'll play this for a minute or so. I might cut in and um, uh, when, when, it, when I want to finish this. But we'll play this for a bit and then we'll make a comment. But look, roll this. Earth. You simply cannot fake your way through this job. As I've said before, being president doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. More than 150,000 people have died, and our economy is in shambles because of a virus that this president downplayed for too long. It has left millions of people jobless. 
Too many have lost their health care. Too many are struggling to take care of basic necessities like food and rent. Too many communities have been left in the lurch to grapple with whether and how to open our schools safely. As George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered, stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest <sighs> office. Over the past four okay. years... Okay, that's, that's a, you, get the, you get the idea. You get the idea. First of all, she's reading off a teleprompter, and she's rehearsed that to no end. You could see this was uh, you know, a real acting job. And you notice the injured voice. You know, I said, it's just not, you know, it's, it's the injured voice. And this was pioneered by her husband, Barack Obama. He was the kind of the, the king of the injured voice. So it's this kind of emotional, real scripted, kind of contrived delivery. And that, that was really the signature of Obama's presidency was the injured voice. And so she's got it. So whoever coaches Barack does the coaching for uh, Michelle as well. And so they're blaming Trump for COVID, for job losses. So the state governors, all the Democratic states, the decision to shut down economies and uh, quarantine and all, this is left to states, not to the president. And she's blaming the president for job losses. And so Trump's, so at once, first they're saying that he's not taking the pandemic serious enough or he waited too long, you know, whatever. He was seven days too long and it would have made a difference. So it's bogus, the the, the logic that they're using. So th then they say he's to blame for the job losses. So they, they can't really get their story straight. They're tied in knots on this. You know, New York, disaster, California, shutdown. You know, all these, these are democratic cities and states that have gone into major lockdowns. And so they're trying to blame the president for it. I don't think Americans are this stupid. I really don't. Some of them might be, but generally they're not. So, but the injured voice, just here's, a, here's an Obama clip here, but listen to this. You'll see the same injured voice, but go ahead and roll this. This is Barack, her husband. Go ahead and roll this. But more than anything, what I know about Joe, what I know about Kamala, is that they actually care about every American. And that they care deeply about this democracy. They believe that in a democracy, the right to vote is sacred, and we should be making it easier for people to cast their ballots, not harder. They believe that no one, including the president, is above the law, and that no public official, including the president, should use their office to enrich themselves or their supporters. Oh, goodness. Okay. That's a bit rich. Uh, you don't even, that's just a few seconds, and you don't know where to start. Um, no, no president is above the law, including the president that used the FBI to surveil the Trump campaign while they're having an election and then goes and spins up a fake story to blame election meddling on the Russians. That's Barack Obama. 
that was done under his watch, his FBI, his NSA director, Susan Rice, unmasking. So they, and they tried to put General Michael Flynn in prison on fake, some fake spurious, you know, bogus charges. That's all, that's going to get completely overturned, by the way, in appeal. They did the same with Roger Stone. They did the same with George Papadopoulos. There's a, it's, it's incredible. That it's so rich that Obama, I mean, he really should recuse himself from politics because what the Obama administration did, the abuse of power was just so vast. It was so vast, uh, especially in that last year. During an election, imagine that. So, you know, a total mockery of the justice system and the you know, respect for democracy. You have to be kidding me. So, but there he is with the injured voice. So, I mean, we, we had eight years of that, and it just it's just old already. So we don't really want, uh, you know, any more of that. But there they are. There they are doing their thing, same, same song and dance. It doesn't work anymore. That's, that, that stuff worked in 2008. That worked in 2012. It doesn't work anymore in 2020. It doesn't even, I don't even think it works for, for Democrats. It's not authentic. It's scripted. It's good for MSNBC. They love it on CNN. All the panels love it. Van Jones loves it. You know, all these, the, the same characters, all these dinosaurs in the mainstream media, they love it. They can't get enough of it. It makes them feel nostalgic. To hear the injured voice, it, it's, it gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Stephen Colbert was literally gyrating in his seat. He's doing his comedy show from his home or something like that, because of supposedly because of COVID. There's no laugh tracks. There's no studio audience. So like many of these TV comedians, they're, they're, they're not funny. They're not actually funny. The jokes aren't funny. So with it, when you take the laugh tracks away, when you take the sort of the crutch of the studio audience away that literally will laugh on cue, in some cases they have applause uh, lights or they have a hype guy come in and train them before the show saying, you know, to get them to laugh. Anyway, without all that, these people like Stephen Colbert, just, it's just flat. It's flat. It's, it's, it's about as fake as uh, Barack and Michelle's speeches. I'm not picking on Barack and Michelle, but it is kind of phony. And we've, we had eight years of that, so we had enough of that. So, but uh, nobody's sliding like Joe Biden. And it's, it's all about looks. It's very much about appearances. Uh, there's, it's no secret that Joe Biden has had a lot of plastic surgery and it's not holding up that well. As you can see, he looks very different now than he did during the pre-primary debates that were on national television. I mean, so the problem with plastic surgery at that age, the way they're doing the nips and the tucks, stapling back the temple flaps of skin to make the eyes look more streamlined, all that stuff, the kind of stuff that all the Hollywood guys like Sylvester Stallone have had and whatnot, there's, there's a lot of maintenance involved with that. And so when you when you get that maintenance done, you, you literally have to disappear for days or weeks while you heal up. And so this has worked okay for Biden now, but he's looking incredibly shaky now. The strategy from their campaign is to try to limit his exposure in the media so that he doesn't have to talk too much, doesn't is not seen too much, 
And it's a similar strategy that the British, uh, the Conservative Party, uh, deployed for Boris Johnson uh, in the run-up to the general election. The idea was the least amount of media time, the better, because they found with the polling that the uh, public approval or perception of, of Boris Johnson, it dropped anytime he was you know, talking too long or whatever. I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but yet, so I think that speaks to the caliber of some of these politicians. It just, they just don't have it. So it's, but these are the times we live in. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I think if, if Joe Biden won, I think Jill Biden, his wife would probably end up running the country uh, in the short term until they you know, decommissioned him or whatever and moved in Kamala Harris or the, the third woman or third man that they've got lined up to, to, to move into power. As we said, that could even be Hillary Clinton could, could slide in the, the side door there. But uh, you know, I don't know what, the, what they'd do with Biden, send him out to the Rose Garden, bird watching. Who knows? But there'll definitely be a blanket and a copy of the uh, Washington Post on his lap every morning with a cup of uh, hot chocolate or something like that. But anyway, um, so masks and testing, that's Joe's whole platform. So amazing. Masks. So it's all about the masks. And uh, we've got a couple minutes left. I'll just point out. So, you know, it's it's, a big controversy. Uh, Sweden. Denmark and Norway, schools have reopened, no masks. And by the way, no masks on public transport, as far as I can see. Uh, no masks. So so why, explain to me how in, in the United States or in some of these other countries, France masks for pupils above 11 years old. So that's kind of middle school, high school. They have to wear masks. So why, why are they having this in the United States with kids wearing masks? I mean, so are you saying that the coronavirus behaves differently in Scandinavia than it does in the United States? Why are they struggling with this concept? Uh, so they, they think, well, no, we're different. We're different in the U.S. We, we, can't, we can't not have masks. It, it, it won't work. Yeah, but it's working. It's working in Sweden. It's working in Denmark. It's working in Norway. It's working in dozens of other countries. Why, why, are you, why are you trying to muzzle up the kids, okay? They're canceling sports in America, sports seasons, whole seasons. There's universities not playing college in the fall, college football. So, you know, I don't, they're not going to be able to keep all these uh, coaches with these million-dollar contracts uh, much longer. I don't know how long. But so, so it's going to be like, oh, the suffering of it all, and then, we you know, we all need to get vaccinated. So they, I think, I predict they will use the athletes – they will use the football players, the the, the, the track athletes, the, 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 the women's basketball. They'll use all these people to sort of do all these PSAs to say how we all need to get vaccinated to get back to, to normal and, you know, even Olympic athletes. So they'll, they'll use the sports people to sell this idea that the only path to herd immunity is through synthetic immunity via vaccines. So, you know, we publish quite a few articles on 21st Century Wire addressing this very issue. Uh, there's one up right now. A new COVID study shows T cells, B cells, immunity lasts longer than antibodies. So, you know, the idea that you have a natural adaptive immunity in the form of T cells, uh, 
and that you know that'll be with you. In fact, studies show that if you have T cell memory from a previous cold virus, it will protect you against supposedly this uh, novel coronavirus, COVID nineteen. You don't even need to have had COVID, and you will have immunity against it. This is these are peer reviewed scientific papers. Of course, we've linked to all of those uh, on our front page right now. A uh, new COVID study shows T-cell, B-cell immunity lasts longer than antibodies. Go ahead and share that with people. Throw that around on social media. Email it. Send it to people. I mean, th- it, that destroys the argument for vaccines. Why would you want to vaccinate uh, against a, a, resp- a supposed respiratory virus that 99.7% of the people who come in contact with it fully recover. Why would you bother a mass vaccination campaign for something, and it doesn't even affect the younger age groups at all? Not statistically, no. You can throw in all the anecdotal stories, the emotional stories of this child, whatever, and of course, with all of these anecdotal stories, they don't even talk about other existing health conditions in those people that would have actually caused them. Uh, to die or to have a weakened immune system. They, they leave all that out. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. Okay, so look at our front page. We've got some fantastic resources. And our coronavirus COVID archive it now has 300 articles and videos. 300. That's our archive. You know, we, we're a small uh, organization. You know, we, we have limited resources. We've managed to amass a 300 post archive since March on this topic. Okay. So that's a resource you click on bottom of any article will take you to that archive. Go ahead and, you know, go through it as much as you can find something interesting in there, share it with uh, your friends, family, colleagues on social media. Those who are sharing our content. Thank you very much. Facebook is now throwing up COVID roadblocks for anyone that shares any of our articles that mention COVID, you go to our, my Facebook page or 21 Wire, a COVID roadblock will come up when you hit share. So they're using their AI algorithms to make it difficult for people to share. Just click through it. You'll eventually be able to do it. But that shows you what Facebook is attempting to do. Uh, Google and YouTube are doing the same thing, throwing up COVID Wikipedia pages everywhere. So these are the only places you can get the facts. No, the official narrative is being debunked. It is completely collapsing in the face of more evidence that's coming out every day. And there's a great video by Dr. Lee Merritt from Omaha, Nebraska, dismantling the official lies of the COVID crisis. Go to 21stCenturyWire.com, look on the front page there, and you'll see some of the top stories uh, in the last two days. Those are the ones you want. Those are the ones you want to share. There's about five or six dynamite stories there. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to connect our first guest, George Samuele. And we're going to be talking about the the Biden foreign policy crew and the color revolution in Belarus. Very much looking forward to this conversation. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is The Sunday Wire. We'll be right back. (laughs) 